All right. Welcome. Welcome into the show. It is the 63rd episode of the Dynasty Monarchy podcast. The gang is back together. Everybody's back together again today. First time in a little bit, but we're really excited to get the ball rolling. Week seven recap. We have reports from around the realm a little bit longer, given the fact there were some big key injuries and a lot of players shifting places in preparation for the trade deadline. So a little bit longer report section, and then we're going to go through our crystal ball, and I will take my victory lap on Max uh, in a specific bet that we had a couple of weeks ago. So stay tuned for that. Uh, again, we are brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the presenting sponsor of the Dynasty Monarchy podcast. Use our code MONARCHY, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y, and get a $100 deposit match in bonus cash. $100 in bonus cash if you use the code MONARCHY on Underdog Fantasy. Let's go. Why, hello there, my fellow kings and queens. Welcome to the Dynasty Monarchy podcast, where you will learn how to rule over your Dynasty League for years to come. Now, allow me to introduce you to your hosts, Max, Peter, and Jace. Here we go. Episode number 63 of the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. It is Wednesday, October 26th. Whoever you may be, however you may be listening, Apple Pod, Spotify, welcome, welcome in. The whole gang is back together. First time in a little bit, so... Wanted to just welcome everyone back to a full-strength Dynasty Monarchy podcast. We have Jace, hold it down in the desert, Nick C, super producer Nick C, that is, and Max, holding it up in Cleveland, Believe Land, and myself in a city that is virtually on fire at any given moment, can catch on fire at any given moment. City of Philadelphia, city of brotherly love is about to explode with the Philadelphia Phillies. Men, how was your past football weekend? It was great, man. Topped off with a, a thriller of a Monday night game. Um, there's nothing like having a bet, and it just all all the parlays hitting in the first half. So that's what happened to me last night, and went to bed happy. So I'll pass it to JB in the desert. Yeah, the desert is finally cooling down, and I will admit I didn't watch very much football at all this previous Sunday, but I got to hit the links with my pops for the first time and probably – a year and a half since I probably picked up the golf clubs and swung it around. So played a nice little nine holes with my dad and my brother and got his fantastic weekend. Had a little week off from the pod, but I'm uh, refreshed and ready to go for tonight. Super producer. Yeah, man, I had a good weekend. I actually went up to, well, went down to Columbus um, this past weekend, hung out with some buddies and yeah, kind of same with me. I mean, I watched a bit of football, but I was pretty, pretty gassed out after a couple long nights. Um, but one thing that was super exciting and you'll probably hop into it a bit was the Phillies, bro. I was watching a lot of the ah. Phillies games in the bars. I'm just sitting there like, yeah, go Phillies. And like, everyone's looking <laughs> at me like, what is this to dude on right now? Like, <laughs> <laughs> to but, Max's uh, demise, the, the anti-Philly derangement syndrome that leaks out of the Cleveland flats for Max. I just want to be, you know, and Peter, you know, I hate the Eagles. <laughs> I hate the Sixers. I hate, I hate the, the city of Philadelphia. I, no, the city's fine. But the Phillies, they're the only – I've never been to a Phillies game. I don't have that many problems with their fans or anything like that. 
Um, that's the only team that I could be like, okay, the Phillies. You like, know they're the same fans. So the fans of the Eagles um, and the fans of the Sixers are the same exact fans. I, I just not. want you to know that. They're not. Not oh, they're me. not. No. Me and Mort from New Jersey, Mario from New Jersey, were at game three, actually. And that environment was insanity. So Philadelphia, city on fire right now. Let's hope they win the World Series. I'll try to get some footage live. But we have some football to talk about. We have some football to talk about. More importantly, uh, big show today. Reports from around the realm. We have lengthened it, trying to get a little bit more juice out of that section, talking more about player outlooks there as well. And then we're going to hit into our crystal ball as well. A lot of trades uh, that have been going down in our personal leagues. I'm sure we'll talk about a couple of them. I made a big boy one this week. So before we get into reports, wanted to say thank you to our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. Underdog is back again another week with the Dynasty Monarchy podcast. Underdog is the peak place, the pinnacle place where you go and play your best ball games your under-over matchups, anything that is related to fantasy football can be done on the Underdog Fantasy app. Underdog Fantasy uses best ball for their season-long best ball leagues. Basically, you draft your team. There's no waiver. There's no trade block. There's no nothing. All you do is draft your team. Your automatic best lineup is set. So no start-sit decisions, no trades again. So wanted to thank our friends over at Underdog Fantasy for allowing us to play stress-free fantasy football. Use our code MONARCHY, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y, for a $100 deposit match in bonus cash. Again, MONARCHY, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y, max. Give me a start-sit decision that you have been dreading this upcoming week. Oh, man, this is a great question. Um, in our most important league, Mike B, um, DK got hurt. Jamison Williams, obviously, he's been out for a while. Um, just traded away Tyler Boyd. So my wide receivers are are very, very thin. So I'm between Sammy Watkins and um, Marvin Jones. And, you know, I wish I could play underdog and play best ball and just leave them both. And whoever does better can get plugged in. But that's what you, you got to want- do. You'd want the reverse. You'd want uh, worst ball. So it starts your worst possible lineup. <laughs> no, I. No, you're not I, trying to tank publicly on record. No, not in Mike V, man. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't have my first for next year. Um, I made, I don't know. I've made some bad moves and it happens. You trade too much. You have some fun with it, but I'm trying to win. And, you know, believe it or not, even with starting Sammy Watkins, I'll probably win this week. All right. Use our code again, Monarchy, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y. Get a free $100 deposit match and bonus cash. Reports coming at you right now. Max, before we hop into reports, two seconds. Update on one of the bets. You owe me an Elijah Moore jersey. I think we're going to lead off the show with this. (laughs) I feel like the people are dying to hear what I have to say, particularly about you know, the new Jamal Adams of the New York Jets. He's my, he was my boy. I cannot stand by his, his antics. He needs a major mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa to the GM Joe Douglas and Robert Sala and his teammates more so. But we had a bet a couple of weeks ago that if the Jets defense popped, I'd get an Elijah Moore jersey from you, Max. I'm going to revoke that bet 
because I would just light it on fire. So I'm going to force you to buy a jersey of your favorite player or favorite person on your fantasy team, and it's, it's for you. Wow. But you have to buy a jersey. Thank you, Peter. I, um, I, I feel like I should just – I want to be a man of my word, and I want to honor this. So I, I will get you an Elijah Moore jersey. No, it will be burned at this point. Don't worry about it, Peter. It will be there. If you want to burn $20 on fire – you can do that, Peter. But I think you should get him a Aaron Judge jersey with Judge. Uh, I think that's what you need to get. Oh, uh, I love uh, that, JB. I that's exactly what I'm gonna do. I would, I would <laughs> kindly find the closest um, receptacle <laughs> that takes old uh, like clothes and gives it to homeless people, mm. and I would give it there. No doubt, no doubt. At least someone is. At least it's going to someone, and it's not being burnt. So that's nice. That's a plus. all right. Enough joking around. Let's talk about Elijah Moore. I think I have to start to show off with him. He's my boy. I'm going to take myself out of it because it's a lot of anger and a lot of hatred and a lot of mean things that I would probably say. So I'm going to leave it up to the three other guys to discuss Elijah. But I'll just give the synopsis of what happened. He's been very frustrated. Jets fans have been seeing it on Twitter the last probably about month and a half. Really cryptic tweets, uh, stuff like that for the past month and a half. Apparently, he was fed up with the offense, had a day off given to him by Coach Sala because they were fighting. Uh, Him and the offensive coordinator and Coach Sala were fighting. And Elijah Moore basically requested a trade. He's back with the team right now practicing and is going to play this week. So that's all that we have right now. And I'll leave it up to you guys. It's uh, it's crazy how how fast the world turns, Peter. You know, you got. One week you got people offering you Sutton in a first, and you're saying, no, this guy's going to be the next him. You call him he Elijah, and now you want to burn his jersey. You despise the man, yada, yada, yada. Um, I do feel bad for you, Peter, but I think it just it goes to show the people out there. Dynasty fantasy football, you can be a fan of the team and not have to have them on the, your dynasty team. Take the trade. If it's an overpay, just do it. You can get him back. You can like him still. Believe it or not, Peter, you could have still liked him when he wasn't on your team. Um, and I think it will come back to bite you in the butt. So I'm sorry, Peter, but thank you for teaching the fans a lesson. I don't know. I, I think this is definitely a maturity thing with him. You know, I was thinking about it today when I was walking around the block getting a little workout in is that dude's out there. I know he's still on his rookie deal, but still making more money than the average person. And you're out there complaining while your team's has the first winning record and I don't even know how long Peter you probably know since but 2015 like, that's a long time ago they haven't and, beat the Patriots in seven years yeah that that's madness so I don't know just kind of childish immature and we were talking about a pre-podcast like all you had to do is just be a little more patient and now Corey Davis is hurt and he's going to step in and probably going to have to demand a higher target share uh, than he most previously did so I don't know. I still love Elijah Moore. I really wish he would have been traded to a Chiefs or a Packers or someone who needs like a feature slot wide receiver. Um, But it looks like he's staying there with the Jets. And I think not much has really changed for me, honestly, fantasy wise, like the emotional reaction is, okay, that's probably not a guy I would like to play with um, if I were a professional football player, but I'm not. Um, And I still think he's got a profile to be a fantasy star, someone who puts up a lot of points and a lot of big boom weeks. So I'm still willing to invest in him. Um, No first round picks for me, but I mean, if I could get 
some kind of depth piece, younger depth piece, plus some seconds or something like that. That's definitely a move I'm still willing to make. I believe in the talent and I believe in the profile. What's his dynasty outlook? Like what's his, his dollar value? If you wanted to trade from right now, you're buying the dip. I feel like it's like around the same price as like Chase Claypool um, or man, I'm trying to think like you'd probably need to Elijah Moore to go so get Devonta young. Smith. Um, He's so young. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, I think if you wait long enough, you wait for the 23 draft class to come around. And if you're someone with 201 to 203 in that draft class, I think that's a swap that you could make, especially once people kind of fall in love with rookies um, and try to grab, you know, second round picks because they can't afford to go pay um, for a top end first round pick. I mean, he is so young, but I just feel like you mentioned it, JB. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't want to play with him. I don't think a lot, I think a lot of owners are going to be hesitant to trade for him because of the locker room guy that he's portraying himself to be. Um, he is so young. He is talented. Um, we've only seen it in about four to five games, not even with Zach Wilson. So I think it takes a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, one of these guys that just will sling the ball. Um, but what his fair price is, I mean, honestly, Man, I, I would say just say it. I, I'd say a 24 second and a 25 second. I wouldn't pay more than that. I mean, I, I really think I'd rather have Claypool at this point, just given that Claypool's done it for a whole season and is actually put up top 20 numbers before. Claypool looks like he's involved this year, which is all I can say. And it doesn't look like Elijah is involved in this offense right now. Yeah, I, I still think there's a lot of season left. I think there's a lot of, especially with Brees Hall going out, which we're going to talk about a little bit more. This team, although they just grabbed James Robinson and they got Michael Carter, I, I think Zach is going to be forced to air it out a little more than he's used to. And if you think about it, those two have been side by side in camp ever since they both entered the league. So I'm still holding out faith that there's a connection waiting to develop there. Um, it just, it might be a longer term asset. And if he's someone you could eventually get onto your taxi squad for the right price, like I am all over that. That would just be like the perfect scenario is trying to get him. You have him on a team where you're so deep that he fits on your taxi squad. All right. Let's, let's pivot perfectly there. Brees Hall, James Robinson, Michael Carter, the new, uh, what is it when, uh, what is it? Love triangle, love triangle, the new love triangle in New York. Uh, obviously Brees Hall not with the team any longer he's going to be there in person but will not be playing the rest of the year most likely will cut into parts of next year and then apparently the following year so 2024 is when he will be 100% healthy not what you like to see out of young running backs this is all I'll say this is the last thing I'll say he looked dynamite and again my Jets bias in this I'm going to keep it out. I'm, I'm going through a range of emotions. Brees Hall looked very good. Looked like the number one dynasty asset. Some would even say one, two, three, four year dynasty leagues. This injury happens. Saquon had the same exact injury two years prior, and it took him two full seasons to really recover to be that guy. What do you think your outlook is on Brees Hall the following year, and then the one after that. So 23-24 outlook. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm treating him a lot like Javonta Williams. I mean, honestly, I think he's done more in his short amount of time than Javonta has done in the league. Um, I was really skeptical on him. I mean, last week I was saying, I mean, I'd still rather have Jonathan Taylor, obviously now, um, but he is very, very talented. And this year it's just Elijah Bear Tucker. He's out for the season. That doesn't help the Jets um, run line or run offense at all. I think once those guys are healthy and I think once they build that lineup even more, and I think what the GM, Joe, Joe Douglas, right, Peter? Joe D. Joey D. I think he's done a phenomenal job surrounding that offensive line with talent and then getting 100%. the ball. Um, I, I really do still believe in him. I'd be willing to pay around what uh, Javonta Williams is going for. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I think, you know, it might be slow coming next year, and that's kind of what we were seeing with Javonta when he gets back. It's, you know, might take a little time to get his juice back and – the thing is, Brees Hall is extremely, extremely young, had a great draft profile coming out of college, and now he's in a 49ers-esque system uh, run by Sala over there. So I, I think long-term, I'm investing in all the Brees Hall I possibly can. Um, just, just be looking for windows. Find that time when, you know, if you're a team out there that has a bunch of wide receivers and, you know, someone who's making a push for it, they need a wide receiver, and you have Cortland Sutton, and you can throw a little bit on top or – whatever's needed to go get you some Brees Hall. That's, that's something I'm definitely trying to do because the talent, uh, the draft profile, everything's there for him. So Max, you really said it right though. Very similar to, to uh, Javonta Williams, if not better. All right, let's move positive outlook. We can talk about Brees Hall all off season, which I'm sure is going to be a big topic of discussion when the perfect time is to buy him. Let's talk about James Robinson, Michael Carter, from a Jets perspective, I won't hold myself out of this. I don't have a real horse in this race. Um, Michael Carter is very, very, very good. But I feel like he's going to be a pass catcher more in this offense and going to be used like that. James Robinson never really profiled as the pass catching kind of running back in Jacksonville. I think they're going to use him a little bit more in the ground and pound up the middle game. Keep Carter, I think Carter's like 5'8 or 5'9, a little bit of a smaller build. So going to keep him on the outsides, uh, not necessarily taking a lot of those hits up the middle. The one thing I will say before we move off the Jets here, I was really excited um, in our Dynasty League. I had to pick up Ty Johnson. I thought he could have a role there, um, but not after James Robinson going there. Um, Joe D. So, Joe D knows. Yeah, I mean, the, the Jags. They got good return on their investment. Obviously, he was under after they got what a six and a seventh, a fifth, a and a six, seventh. a six that could conditionally become a fifth if James Robinson gets six hundred yards on the ground, including the yards he already has. No, six hundred yards with the Jets. With the Jets. Okay, so I mean that's doable, but still, the Jags got good return on investment. Um, I think the Jets. I mean, a fifth and a six; those are dart shots. Yeah, I think the Jags definitely did well. I mean, James Robinson is a freaking stud, but never had the investment. He's coming off a torn Achilles. Like, as much as I love James Robinson, I don't think he's going to have very long of a career. So if I own him in Dynasty, I am looking for a way to ship him off for, I mean, a high-end second or multiple seconds is definitely something I'm willing to do. You might be hard-pressed to find that right now, but wait, wait for a stretch when, you know, that, that 49er system that they're running over there in New York hits and he has a big two touchdown week down there stuffing a couple in from the five uh, yard liner in. I, 
I love the Michael Carter investment right now in Dynasty because I don't think anyone has really come around to um, see him at full value, which I believe is definitely probably a higher end or mid-tier second round He's pick in the 23 bad. class. I mean, he was great as a rookie. And now with Brees Hall out of the picture and an undrafted guy that doesn't know the system over there, like I think people think Michael Carter is dead because they went out and signed James Robinson. I don't think that's the case. And I think he can succeed in this system because the 49er system that they're running over there, if you have speed, you can succeed. And he has speed. Um, So that kind of outside zone run scheme, I I think Carter can handle that. I think, you know, your only worry with him is can he hold up to it? Can he hold out on injuries? And I think if he does, I think you can get yourself a start worthy running back for the cost of a mid tier 23 second round pick. I saw Rich Samini, who's one of the Jets beat reporters. He said, you know, Joe Douglas making this trade for James Robinson is a direct 100% direct message to the locker room. It's the Jets stunk. He wouldn't go make this trade. He'd say, okay, I'll hold on to this, this chance. And Michael Carter, we had him carry the load last year. It's not an indictment on him as a player. They just said, look, we're in the middle of this. We make a nice little run down the stretch. We can make the playoffs and really flip the script here in New York. I'm going to go trade for a guy who has done it in this league so we can improve this offense and not leave it just to, to sit idly by and force Michael Carter to carry the ball 30 times a game the way that this offense is running. Mm-hmm. So that's enough jet talk. Enough jet talk. We got to cut the jet talk. <laughs> so I, as everybody can tell out there, I'm, this has been a really rough week for me. So if you say a prayer at night, pray for my jets that they snapped a seven year long streak of losing to the Patriots this Sunday. It's, it's going to be wild at MetLife. Um, let's move on. ETN flip side of this, James Robinson, ETN's dynasty value. Where is it moving? Nick C. I know you, that you're an owner of Travis ETN. Am I correct? Yep. Okay. Yes, I am. Super producer is an owner. I want to hear your perspective when you saw the trade. I don't know whether you think more touches for him is necessarily good or if you think it would be necessarily bad. I was pretty excited, obviously. Like, I'm sad at myself and mad at the same time that I don't own him in more leagues than I do. I only have him in our Mike Vrabel league. But, dude, I mean, I think it's ETN to the moon, honestly. I mean, if he gets... I think more touches is great for him. He obviously has the passing down role there and he's just been hyper efficient with all of his touches. So dude, I love this. I, I liked him over Najee in the rookie in the 21 rookie draft. And I think it's, it's coming to fruition before our eyes. Like we're going to see him in a full workhorse role and he has the size to do it as well Has the speed. Dude, I'm, I'm so excited for this. Yeah, I mean, Peter, you always joke about how you have diamond hands for holding Elijah or Elijah Moore. I mean, you can hold him all the way to zero. He's basically there. But Nick C, um, for real, has always been like, you know, I believe in ETN. We were talking trade the other day. I offered him Sutton for ETN. Um, And then he's like, ETN is good. I'll stand on it. He's the running back one from the 21 class. Love to hear anything else. I said Najee. He literally laughed at my message and said joke. Um, So he's been on this train for a while. And Right when this news happened, I was like, you know, like, congrats to Nixie because he does deserve it. He stood on this hill, he planted his flag. And honestly, I think the sky is the moon for this guy. He's very talented. He's playing in the a sky system. is the moon. Yes. That's, that's the, moon. the sky is the moon. 
It's the I love that. Term. That's put that on a t-shirt. The sky is the moon. Anywho, I'm happy for you, Nixie. ETN's value is honestly he's probably a top five dynasty running back in my eyes for sure. Yeah, as someone who was not a big Travis Etienne guy, I was back and forth all offseason. I don't know if you guys remember that. I was in one week, then I was out the next one, and literally every tweet that came across my Twitter uh, feed, pro or negative, uh, pro or con Etienne tweet, was just totally affecting me, where I was just flip-flopping all over the place. Um, but now, no, I, I Nixie, I'm right behind you. I'm jumping on that train with you. I think he's definitely a top five asset at this point. I mean, the dude's averaging 6.1 yards per carry this season. Now, he's probably not going to do that all year, but even if it drops a little bit and he's somewhere in the fives or high fours and he's getting, you know, 16, 17, 18 rush attempts per game and maybe he has three or four catches, like this is a workhorse guy. This is a workhorse guy. And I, I mean, I just I was really nervous because I get he was a first round pick, but he wasn't picked by the coaching staff that's currently in there right now. But it looks like they've seen enough um, and they were willing to ship Robinson and they're going to give ETN the full workload. And man, his schedule down the stretch is really, really solid. So even if you don't think he's a top five dynasty running back, I think after the season when we're just doing flat rankings on a piece of paper, ETN with the stretch that he has is going to find him himself in the top five. So if you can invest for anything less and ride the increase into the off season, barring an injury, of course, I'm all about it. Real quick question here. I just think this is, this should be known for the listeners out there. Nixie, what would you sell him for right now? I get you're competing, um, but just in a vacuum, what would you sell him for? Um, And what would you buy him for? I guess, Jace. I guess like selling wise, uh, I mean, I'd be looking for two first. I mean, whether that's a 23 and a 24 first, I don't know. I probably still wouldn't be super excited uh, to trade him for that, but I feel like that's probably where he's at right now, just based off of all the hype. Yeah, I think if we're talking 23 class, like a mid-23 first, maybe a second on top is kind of what I'd be willing to pay. Um, and that's coming from someone who, as I said earlier, was kind of flip-flopping on ETN. And I'm bought in for sure. I'm definitely bought in. But this 23 class is going to have a ton of stud running backs. And I think maybe, um, I don't know. Then if you're giving up multiple of those guys, I'm not interested because you could potentially have two Travis ETNs uh, for the price of one. But, yeah, like Nick C said, I think the most I'd be willing to pay if I was going to do two first is – a 23 first and then some sort of 24 first to kind of space things out um, and kind of drop some of that first round value. All right, let's keep pushing forward. A lot of news here. Kenneth Walker wanted to just talk a little bit of outlook two straight weeks of being a competent RB one long-term dynasty asset. So we saw it this past week. We saw it the week prior this upcoming week, I think, is going to be a big testament. Like I said earlier in the year, everybody was panicking on Henry after two weeks. When you see something once, it's an event. Something happens. When you see something twice, it's a coincidence. When you see something three times, that's the start of a trend. So if he can put up a lot of points this week, you know, much like Josh Jacobs, where he had his two big games and then doubled down last week, and that's no longer a coincidence, it's a trend. What do we think Kenneth Walker's value can do if he strings together another, let's say, 
on the soft side, 16 point week. Yeah. I mean, it's it's already crazy. He's running back 20 in PPR right now, and he's really only played in three games. Um, he's put up 14, 18, 22 and half point PPR here. Um, and his snap percentage has just gone up every week. And the defenses he played have been New Orleans, Arizona, the Chargers. I mean, these aren't terrible defenses um, by any stretch of the imagination. And I saw a stat today that the Seahawks are, I think, third in big plays um, throughout the NFL. So, I mean, this team looks good. And to be completely honest, I think his value is only going to go up right now. Um, with DK being hurt, who knows how long he'll be out. I know Lockett's n- nursing that hamstring. Marquise Goodwin, I think he's just just a guy. Wouldn't be picking him up. Wouldn't be going to make trades for him, obviously. But it's to the point where it's like, would I rather have ETN or Kenneth Walker? I'm really torn on it, honestly. I didn't think that Kenneth Walker could do it again this week. He proved me wrong. Um, I'll stand on that. I'll own up to that. But he looks really, really good. Yeah, really quick, Jace, before you hop in, there's mm-hmm. only one matchup this week between two teams with winning records. What is it? G-Men and the Seahawks played the G-Men this week? The G-Men and the Seahawks. All good right. job, Jace. So, All right. There we go. Just a little tidbit of this Kenneth Walker, the Seahawks. He's kind of carrying them to some wins here down the stretch. No doubt. Yeah, I'm still not super sold on Kenneth Walker. I know this was a fantastic game, but the Chargers are, I believe, the fourth worst run defense to opposing running backs. Let's see. They're giving up the third most yards to opposing running backs per game. So this was a juicy matchup, and they decided to give him the rock. He's also averaging 6.1 yards per carry this season, which is just absolutely fantastic. But one thing that strikes me, and Peter, I feel like you out of all people might come to agree with me on this one, He's only 5'9", 5'9", 211. He plays so much bigger, I feel like. I feel like he plays kind of like a Rashad Penny, but he's a smaller dude for sure. So um, I don't know if he's going to be able to withstand 20 carries a game like he's seen the past two. And on top of that, if we're talking ETN or Kenneth Walker, give me ETN all the way just because, sure, Walker's shown us some ability to catch the ball, but he's averaging 3.4 yards uh, per catch this season and if you give me a little second I'll pull up Travis Etienne's but Etienne we know is just the much more proven wide receiver so um, Peter I don't know if you have anything to say while I look up Etienne's yards per catch for right now he's paying dividends at the position he was being drafted at I think he was drafted around the seven or the eight five six seven eight depending on your league I think more towards the back half there he looks like the consummate value in this year's draft him and Olava. Kenneth Walker, 3.4 yards per catch this season. Travis Etienne, 10.8. The dude is just a much more premier pass catcher. And I think if uh, both are getting the same amount of carries per game, that's level. I think Etienne's going to edge him out in the passing game every single time, almost every single time. Excuse me. I did have one thing uh, to bring up here. I know, I don't know about you guys. I kind of use keep trade cut a lot to just kind of see uh, gauge kind of like public interest in a lot of players, which I think it's a decent tool, but you can't really bank on it all the time. But this was one. So we were talking about ETN or Kenneth Walker, but right now Kenneth Walker is ranked as the RB three in dynasty on keep trade cut. Sell, sell, sell. Which is wild. And so Brees Hall, just for reference, is RB4 
and he just tore his ACL. So maybe he'll have a value dip. Like, do you guys see Kenneth Walker, like breaching that top five in dynasty running back? And Dude, are, where's you, Jacob are you, are you, I don't know. <laughs> That's I, what I'll I want to know. If, if he's there, where's Jacobs? I'll look it up, but I, I just wanted to get you guys kind of gut reaction on that. But we know where Kenneth Walker is going to be for the next multiple seasons. Whereas Jacobs, like, they declined his fifth year option. I get that they could re-sign him, but there's just uncertainty there. I feel like, yeah. And, and something you know, Pistol Pete out there in the NFC West, he loves running a ball. So I think Kenneth Walker, there will never be a lack of touches. I feel like they could be getting blown out forty to nothing, and he'd run the ball. Third overall is that's way too rich for me. And if you can sell at that price, if you could somehow get you a pick that looks like it's going to be top four next year's class i'm selling for that all day just i mean i keep coming back to it this running back class other than Brees hall especially towards the end Brees hall conversation really heated up and people talking about him as being like the true number one dynasty um asset that you could have or could acquire in the rookie draft but other than that i mean i felt like there's a small camp of kenneth walker people banging the drum but this class just wasn't highly touted at the running back position and this next one is so i'm just i don't know i'm not a scout we're not scouts so i'm going to trust all the other people that are saying this and try to transfer it over to the next class you might see more investment from the team and not only that you're just getting a year maybe a year depending on who it is but another year younger which means the world for running backs in this league Last in-depth topic, then we're going to have three breeze by topics. Last in-depth one again, CMC traded to the San Francisco 49ers. It is Kyle Shanahan's dream to have a running back like that. Uh, I heard PFT commenter on part of my take talking about, you know, we always talk about, oh, what would this quarterback do in this system? Or how good could this guy be if only he had a good offensive coordinator? How good can McCaffrey really be if he has the most forward-thinking running coordinator, offensive coordinator? in the entire world in Kyle Shanahan, see how they could scheme the run. They might be able to, to do something new out there and at the Bay down there at the Bay. So wanted to open up the conversation, Nick C super producer. I know you're another McCaffrey holder here. Seems like the super producer episode with uh, all the insight we're asking as a competitor, obviously you hold on to him and you pray that he turns into everything that you, you can only hope in this 49ers offense. Let's say two weeks go by and he's averaging the same amount he was averaging in Carolina. Is there any cause for concern to try to sell the news to a different competitor? I I'm still not there. I mean, like if I'm a competitor, still have CMC, like I'll just see what he can do with a good O line a good offensive scheme. I mean, I think it speaks volumes that he was traded to them and probably had the playbook for maybe a couple of days and still ended up playing in this game. And he looked, I mean, he looked good. And I mean, obviously he's going to look good. He's Christian McCaffrey. So it's like, he looked he good in the shown, red. He looked good in the yeah, 49er red. He totally did. And I mean, obviously still has the juice. Once they start to get more creative with him in the red zone, get him even like a full workload. I mean, he only played 28% of the snaps or something. So even if it's two weeks go by and he's still kind of like average, maybe 14, 15 points a game. I mean, 
I'm still just going to hold him and play him every week because he's going to, he's bound to give a, a boom week here. So. Yeah. I mean, this honestly, the cards couldn't have felt better for him in fantasy, just Trey Lance, obviously in a real life perspective, like Trey Lance, obviously with when you have him and McCaffrey back there, you don't know who's going to run the ball, but in fantasy, it's like Jimmy G's not going to run the ball. They have this amazing system. And even if he puts up the numbers he was putting up in Carolina, I'd be more than happy with that. Right now, even with last week, he only played 20% of the snaps. He's still running back five on the season. Um, he's a very quiet running back five because he hasn't scored that many points. But, I mean, I think in this system, what they paid to get him, they're going to utilize him. Um, it's going to be really scary. And the cool thing is, like, he went from having, like, an okay fantasy playoff schedule. He used to have Tampa Bay in the championship um, to now he gets Seattle in the first round, who – we just saw Austin Eckler just torch them. Um, and then Washington as well. Um, Aaron Jones just torched them as well. So he gets them in the first two rounds. I love the play, the playoff schedule. I think he's a very, very safe hold if you're a competitor. Yeah, Max, you brought up a good point where he's probably had the most quiet RB5 season that we've seen in quite some time. And I, I think that's especially the case because he's only scored three touchdowns this season, which is just like – we said it during the off season. He's the only running back in the league that can finish as RB one on a given week and not score a touchdown. I mean, the dude is on pace to catch over a hundred balls this season. I believe I didn't work out the exact math, but it's somewhere between 90 and hundred. I believe, I don't know how much this past week is going to affect that stat, but as you said, 28% of the snaps, he caught two balls for 24 yards like that. The passing work is not going away. I mean, the 49ers, if they can stay healthy with Kittle, with Debo, with Ayuk, and McCaffrey, with as versatile as all those guys are, that is just a matchup nightmare for opposing defenses. So even when there's tough matchups, I mean, he's still going to be efficient. This team's going to be efficient. It's up to Jimmy G if he can put the ball where it's supposed to be and you know not fumble the snap trying to hand it off to Christian McCaffrey. Other than that, I think this team's ready to rock and roll. And also, just real quick here before Peter, you chime in. He has the Rams this week. That's tough. But then they have a bye next week. Um, you can give this guy a whole week on a bye with a new playbook. Oh, come yeah. back, rest it up healthy. It, it's going to be really crazy. I was looking at his schedule and his projections. Like, in half-point BPR, the guy was projected 20 points a game. Yeah. Um, so, Nick C, again, congrats, man. I think it just puts you another step ahead in my poll of who I have in my power rankings. Yeah, one final thing. I don't I don't know if you guys watched that game intently, but did we see any Christian McCaffrey and Debo in the backfield together? Because I don't think if not, did. I cannot wait to see that picture. That that is a freaking nightmare when you get down inside the 10 with both of those guys back there. Good God. Good God. All right. Three little topics. We'll just breeze through them and then get to our crystal ball and get everybody on their merry way. First one, Curtis Samuel is the target leader this season over Terry. Any cause for concern for Terry owners? No, ter Terry's quietly doing what Terry does every single year. Um, he's right on pace where he's been. Um, I mean, in the in his career, he's been wide receiver 29, 20, 25. And again, this year, he's wide receiver 25. So nothing much. JB, quick. Yeah, I mean, I think this just speaks to 
Curtis Samuel as an investment. If you were able to get in this season for dirt cheap, like I was kind of preaching this off season, you're probably feeling pretty good. And um, still for a low end second round pick, which I think you probably get him for I'm investing because they want to give him the ball. He's leading the team in targets and he's got rushing work kind of like Debo Samuel. So I think he's a great investment and someone that this commander's team really sees as part of their future moving forward. So uh, no cause for concern on Terry though. He's a beast. All right. Hopkins. Two seconds on him. Uh, I just acquired him in our most important league. I had a little bit of depth. Needed to go out and get him seven catches. Uh, sorry, uh, 10 catches, 103 yards, no touchdown. Hop looked to be back to his old self. Some people, not myself, but some people would say maybe the suspension was better for him. He's getting up there in age and not to have to full run the whole gauntlet might be good for him and keep him fresh for the rest of the year including the fact that they're going to have a buy coming up as well. So a lot less load on those tires uh, moving forward. Any comment? No, no really comment. I would only be trading for him if I'm a competitor like you are, Peter. Um, I think when Hollywood Brown comes back there, Rondell Moore, um, they get that system going again. I think he had a 54% target share. That's not going to happen every week. Yeah, I, I think if I'm not – this is my year. I'm hundred percent going for it this season. I have all the pieces. I just need depth. I need elite upside. I think D hops your guy in that scenario, but otherwise if I'm anywhere close to just not going for it or rebuilding, I think you got to get out right now. I think it, he's a ticking time bomb in my opinion. I mean, I had Julio Jones back in 2020 when we start to, when we started to see some signs of decline week one, Julio Jones, 12 targets, nine catches, 157. I remember sitting there, oh, man, I got Julio Jones. He's going to ball for me all season long. And then the very next week, he played uh, 78% of the snaps. But the week three that season, out, gone. And then pretty much from that entire time, he was in and out of the lineup. He would come in and he would look good. I, I kind of see the same future for D-Hop down the stretch here. So, if I'm not a competitor with all my chips in, I am looking for the next opportunity to sell him off for some young studs or draft picks. All right. Last one, Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster, two big games in a row. Again, one is an event, two is a coincidence. I'm going to mark this down in a coincidence, but I'll let the rest of the Monarchs decide. Week six, five catches, 113 yards, touchdown. Week seven, seven catches, 124 yards, touchdown. Rest of the season, what is his dynasty outlook looking like? And Let's just play a fun, fun game. What's the percent chance he can get back to that top 10 discussion as a dynasty asset? Uh, I think, I think he's got a long way to go. Percent chance. 1%. 5%. 5%. More than I'd think. JB, yeah. what's your percent? 2%. 2%. That's what I drink. So 2% <laughs> milk for Juju. But the one thing I will say, you know, he's having a good year, especially if you look at the targets, eight targets in three week two, but eight, 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 five, eight. That's his magic number for whatever reason. But he is not playing that much. I mean, the snap percentages, I don't know why I'm just seeing this. He's pretty much a part time player playing 66 percent of the snaps, 74, 70, 63. Then he has two games here playing 86 and 88 percent of the snaps uh, week five and week six. But even this past week with this huge game, eight targets, seven catches, 124 and a touchdown on 55% of the snaps. That's pretty ludicrous. So, I mean, if he's ever going to get to a point where he's out there for 
like he was weeks five and six playing 86 and 88 percent of the snaps man like juju could be waiting to explode and they got a buy here in week eight and then they got tennessee jacksonville and the chargers three pretty solid matchups for a wide receiver so i think if you're trying to buy juju i think the time is probably now i would get in now and then hope he becomes a full-time player and that stock just shoots through the through the roof two, two quick points before we move on to crystal ball one he's both games a 45 yard catch for as long and then a 42 yard catch um that really does help one of them i believe went for a touchdown so that's 10 points right there um so i don't think those are sustainable long term like jb mentioned the snap percentage is not the best as well um two i don't know if you guys saw he was talking about him travis kelsey patrick mahomes and i think it was hardman i don't know who it was they are all playing call of duty together he's saying how it just energized the team and the chemistry and stuff like that so and I, I just thought that was funny to bring up. And I know Tyler's like, the- what the hell, man? I've been trying yeah. to get all the teammates on the box. What That's the hell? Exactly what the on the box. I've never heard that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll see, man. Like this team, I, I know you bring up that the, the 40 yard passes, like those don't always happen. But if you're going to pick any team in the NFL to kind of predict those things to happen, you're probably going to choose Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs or Josh Allen and the Bills, and he happens to be on one of those teams. So it might be a rare incident uh, or a rare incident for other teams and other players out there. But with Juju on this team, I, you know, it's high upside, high upside offense. And if the snap percentage goes up, I don't think we'll see top five, like you're saying, Peter, but he could inkle back up there into the, you know, top 15. All right, let's move on to our crystal ball section. All right, let's move into crystal ball. Last week, I feel like we did a pretty good job. Yeah, so last week I hit on both of mine. I want to make sure that everybody hears that. Josh Jacobs, 35 points. That's a boom. Cortland Sutton, two catches for 30 yards. I think that's as good of a bust. So moving forward, Jace had Terry. I think, didn't he catch a touchdown? Yep, he did catch a touchdown. He did. I think five catches on eight targets and a touchdown, and I forget the yardage, 70 or so, I think. And you had Montgomery on the bust. I don't know if he yeah. had a good week. He did. He had 60 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. But the touchdown saved him at the end. The it touchdown. Did. Take it the did. touchdown away, he definitely busts. Um, and then, Max, you had Mixon, who that whole Bengals offense looked like they were on another planet. Mm-hmm. And then you had Clyde, uh, comma, dog shit. So, <laughs> outside of finding the end zone, you were looking really good Saturday night when Pacheco got the nod, but then didn't get the nod. I think we've been balling on these pretty good all season long. Like I think personally Montgomery is the first one that's really boomed when I said they would bust and stuff of that nature. And I feel like all season long, I feel like you can count on one hand how many times we've missed these picks. So it's been a good segment in my opinion. All right, let's move forward. Let's do it in the document order or, you know what, even better, super producer, Give us the order from your, from your uh, Geppetto puppet strings, make us dance and tell us what the order is going to be. All right. I'm thinking Max, Peter, and then Jace. Max, hit us up with your boom. My boom is none other than the cheetah himself, the human cheetah, um, Tyree Kill. He plays against Detroit. I mean, this guy, I just want to go over his targets with, 
throughout the season. It's 12, 13, 4. That was unlucky. Uh, 14, 7, 15, 13. He gets targeted so often, and he's only scored two touchdowns this whole season, right? He is so due for some touchdowns, especially versus Detroit, who their defense, I get they locked up Gallup. Gallup only got two targets or whatever, but they're notorious for giving up so many points. And if this thing gets to be in a shootout where it's just over and over, and that's what Detroit does. Same with Seattle. They didn't play well in Dallas. They didn't play well versus the Pats, but Detroit is notorious for just putting up shootouts. Their defense lets people score. Tyree Kill is going to torch them. I get Akuda's been playing solid. He's been locking down some people, but the targets are there. That's what's really drawing me to him. And then also just the matchup and that he's due for some touchdown positive regression there. JB? Do you want me to just comment on it? Or yeah, you... just comment. Okay. No, no, no. I'm I'm all over that. Tyreek Hill, like you said, he's just been getting a wicked amount of targets, which I think is pretty surprising because we saw Jalen Waddle being that guy last year with just just getting peppered left and right with short area targets and seeing what he could do after the catch. But and I think we anticipated Tyreek coming in and being the deep threat in this offense, but he's both. He's short area, he's deep, and Jalen Waddle is the one suffering for it. And I think we envisioned the scenario being the other way around. But either way, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, um, you're starting both of these guys, but especially Tyreek Hill. And if this is one of his signature 150 yards at halftime games, that wouldn't surprise me one bit. All right, let's move on. Jay, no, it's me. Sorry, I'm getting lost in the snake. This is bad. I have a spicy one. I've been <laughs> oh, feeling yeah. really spicy on my booms. They've been they've been hitting, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do another one here. Derrick Henry owners, you're not going to take him out of your lineup against Houston. We know any running back against Houston's probably going to find the end zone. I'm not going with Derrick Henry here as my boom. I'm going with Dontrell Hilliard. I think he's going to be a great wow. flexible option in your redraft leagues and if you're in a dynasty league he's definitely not the most expensive asset if you're need to pinch start running back you need to guarantee a win against a divisional opponent or something like that i wouldn't mind flexing him or having him be my rb2 this week this is all i'm gonna say from a mental this this has zero data behind it but a lot of my picks as of late have had zero data behind it derrick henry is not going to play this full game He's not going to play the full game. Mike Rabel is not stupid. He's not going to have his star aging running back go pound for 200 yards in Houston in a game that's probably going to be meaningless because the Titans are going to be bumping them from the third quarter. So I think garbage time, Dontrell Hilliard finds his way into the end zone and becomes a flexible option. My boom for him this week, nine points. If you need nine points from a running back that is either A, not rostered, or B in a dynasty league is worth a penny and you need just a steady floor play, I think he will hit way higher than his projected score. Peter, you, you continue to amaze me, man. Between the Jets D and now this, I really don't have a leg to stand on because the Jets D somehow hit. I mean, this guy's he had 0.4 points. He had one carry for four yards last week. Um, you know, Pete, I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to make a bet with you. I'm not going to call you crazy. <laughs> let's go Dontrell. Hey, Dontrell Hilliard, taller than Kenneth Walker. I'll just say that. Um, but 
Peter, that is so, I feel like that's even bolder than the Jets call. I mean, this dude has, let's see, six carries the entire season. That is, but I'm with you. I mean, I can see everything that you're talking about. Um, Tannehill is banged up with an ankle injury. Maybe when he's in, he's more willing to check it down um, when he needs to. So I don't know, man, this is a phenomenal matchup. And I think for anyone that plays DFS, this is definitely someone you can sneak in your lineup 100%. for the lowest possible cost. And for sports gamblers out there, I mean, his rushing yards will probably be set at, I mean, his high on the season's 14 yards. If it's set <laughs> at seven or eight yards, I mean, that's a prop bet I'm probably willing to take this week. So I'm all over it. This is sneaky. And for those out there in 18 to 32 team leagues, fire them up. Let's go, baby. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think he's going to find the end zone on like a pass. It'll be like third and like 11. And they'll be like, from the 25 and they won't have Henry in and he'll just sneak his way in there. Like there'll be some weird scenario where Mike Vrabel's like, I don't want him. Like, I don't want Henry out there. There's the Texans. We're already up by 10. Let's go get some other guy some work. Maybe it'll be Hassan Haskins and I could be just so dumb, but no, I, I think Hilliard finds his way in the end zone this week. Probably and that is bold. JB fires up on the back end. Yeah, I got a, another relatively bold one. It's Raheem Mostert, which is, I mean, especially if you're listening to a Dynasty podcast, this guy is a mummy that somehow find his way. He found his way out of the catacombs, and he is playing extremely well in that Dolphin system right now. I'm going to read off some of his stats real quick. So the past four weeks here, he's been getting a good amount of work. This most previous week against Pittsburgh, 16 carries for 79 yards. He also caught four balls for 30 yards on five targets. Uh, week six, 14 carries for 49 yards. Not great, but playing Minnesota, who's a eh, middle-of-the-pack run defense. Uh, 18 carries for 113 and a touchdown versus the Jets. And then at Cincinnati in week four, 15 carries for 69 yards. Mostert is and always has been extremely, extremely efficient. And now this season, I mean, this week, excuse me, He's matched up against the Detroit Lions, as Max already mentioned. They give up a ton of points, but not only that, they give up the most fantasy points per game to opposing running backs this season and the second most yards per game to opposing running backs. I think this is going to be a highly efficient game for Raheem Mostert. I think it's going to be pretty easy for him to find his way into the end zone. And for prop bettors out there, anyone that's been reading my columns, um, Raheem Mostert, longest rush is probably going to be at the top of my prop article list. He is, he's got all the juice and he's going up against a team that has given up a ton of big gains to opposing running backs this season. So uh, Raheem Mostert, fire him up, fire him up. I'm looking at him as an RB2 this week for sure. Raheem the dream. Raheem the dream. Who are they playing again, Jace? They play the Lions, Pete. We, we love the Dolphins this week. We love the Dolphins. That Lions defense. All-time Jet uh, Aaron Glenn runs that defense there. It's going to be a real shame if they have to let him go during the year because he's a, he's a great man. But you know what? Results on the field, they could care less. Antonio Brown had a job for all those years. And <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't say he's the best man. So, all right, Jason, send us back around with your Damian Pierce. Sure. So I did want oh, to clarify. Sorry. Yeah, I'm spoiling. <laughs> I'm spoiling. Give us your bust, Chase. So my bust, as you said, is Damian Pierce, but I did want to clarify. I misspoke. The Lions have given up the second most fantasy points per game to opposing running backs. Not the first, but still a first? fantastic. The Texans. The Texans. Okay. So 
It's close though, 25 and 23.67. So pretty close. You can't go wrong playing guys against either one. But speaking of the Texans, the Texans do not draw a good matchup. It's the Tennessee Titans, as you said, Peter. It's kind of funny that I'm taking picks out of the games that you guys both brought up. Um, but the Tennessee Titans, you you probably wouldn't expect it um, just because of who they've been over the past couple seasons, but they are the toughest run defense in the league right now, giving up only 12 fantasy points per game um, to opposing running backs. Mike Rabel, we know all too well, he gets the boys going. They're a gritty, hard-nosed team. Um, and they just, they've been stuffing the run all season. Damian Pierce, I know he's been good. I know, uh, depending on when you drafted or did your rookie draft, or if you're in redraft, depending on when you did that, you got Damian Pierce at different costs, but if you had to pay up for him, you're probably forced to try to get him in your starting lineup. If I can, I'm actively trying to find ways to get him out. I think this is going to be a really tough game script for them. One where they can be chasing points. Uh, pretty quickly out of the shoot and even when they don't have the ball and they're not chasing a significant amount of points I think the Titans the way they run the ball the way they run the clock it's it's really going to be tough for Damian Pierce to find opportunities um, to score a lot of fantasy points unless he springs a big game but the Titans have been very good at stopping that on the ground this season so Damian Pierce I'm actively looking for someone else to slot in and Raheem Mostert is probably one of those guys you might have uh, available to you and I would do that. Yeah, definitely in shorter leagues. I feel like, you know, Raheem Mostert, while he might not be uh, on waivers in like 10-man or 8-man leagues, if anybody out there plays him, I think he's definitely available for trade in all of those leagues, uh, especially because of the the overwhelming mass of running backs in those smaller leagues. Like we play in a 14-man redraft league, and I was fretting trading Melvin Gordon in a deal. And I was like, Oh, I don't know if I can afford to lose a running back here just because they're so valuable, but no, I I'm all in on this pick JB. He's been really hot the last couple of weeks. I think he is due to cool down against the best running D and big brothers coming into town. And usually mm-hmm. when big brother comes into town, it's not too fun for the little brother. So I don't think Pierce is going to have that good of a week. Yeah. One thing too, um, the Tennessee Titans haven't faced just Joe Schmo. Like they've gone up against Jonathan Taylor twice um, and they've held him to 10 carries for 58 yards and seven catches for 27 yards, but no touchdowns. Um, and then the first time they played him 20 carries for only 42 yards and then one catch on three targets. They've also gone up against Josh Jacobs, who has just been going crazy the past few weeks. He played them and only had 13 carries for 66 yards he did have five catches for 31 yards, but no touchdown once again. So um, Saquon Barkley is the only truly elite running back to torch this team. Um, and even then, Damian Pierce is not Saquon Barkley. So just just know that. All right. Damian Pierce, not Saquon. Got it. You got but it. That's Similar our equation. one takeaway. All right. right. We'll, we'll move into my bust. It's going to be very simple from here on out. I, Peter Catalano refuse refuse to play any receiver that is going to be stacked up against sauce Gardner. period end of story i will find a different option it's over so i will not be playing if i own jacoby myers i'll take a flyer on some guy that has a chance to house one and he might only get 30 percent of the snaps there is just no chance this guy is going to provide the ceiling you need to win a fantasy football game. He, they can provide floors of four points, but they're not going to provide like a 10 to 12 point ceiling. 
I'm uh, I feel like we're going to start seeing trends from you, Peter. I think I feel like you're going to rotate every week. Like whoever the Tampa Bay plays, you're going to take not their running back. And then on the other weeks, you're going to take whoever sauce plays, not their wide receiver. Keep it, uh, keep it interesting. It's both are very true statements though. Listen, Max, you always find a way to hate poke and prod and, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. You always find a way. That's where I thought you were going with it, honestly, Peter. I thought you were going to tell me another Tampa Bay, whoever thought you were going to say fade Gus Bus. I mean, no, Gus Bus is good and Tampa Bay sputtering. Yeah, I Tampa think they're the 16th ranked run defense in the league right now. So not, not who we have known them to be at this point. They are sputtering. But yeah, I mean, Jacoby Myers, he's touchdown this past week. That was yeah. a cool thing, Sam. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. I think if you look at the raw numbers, you're like, damn, Jacoby's been kind of safe. But the past two weeks, he, yeah. uh, the past two weeks, only six targets, and we've known him as a top tier PPR league machine. He was your yeah. PPR consummate value last year. Does not, I, I feel like, you know, I said the Bears would only score 10 points last week. So I'm not going to put anything up in the air for myself here, but. I really don't see him scoring wherever his his projected number is at. I, I see it below. Yeah. I mean, if he put up a like two weeks ago versus Cleveland, four catches on four targets for 64 yards. If he put up three catches on four targets for 47 yards, like that's totally a stat line I could see for him in yeah. this game. So I think – He's felt safe and he's been all right the past few weeks, but I think you're right. Go get someone with some upside in your lineup. All right, let's wrap it up. Max, take us away on your bust and tell me why the Sunday night game is going to be terrible. I don't think it's going to be terrible. I think Aaron Rodgers really does turn it around. Um, I am going to go with Aaron Jones. I really don't care who he plays. He plays Buffalo, which isn't good for him at all. Um, But his rushing attempts these past two weeks, nine carries for 19 yards, eight carries for 23 yards. They're not running him very often. I get that they're going to be behind in this game. and They're going to be throwing the ball. Sure. But even before, like they've been behind in games plenty of times. And he's had three catches, three catches, three catches, two catches, three catches. Last week was such an anomaly where he had nine catches on 10 targets for 53 yards and two touchdowns. Um, everyone's very high coming off him last week, um, which was great. I mean, 24.1 points in half-point PPR, but the rushing work hasn't been there. Um, they play Buffalo at Buffalo coming off a bye. I think they're going to game plan for these running backs. I really do, and I think they're going to make Rodgers beat them through the air. Um, I mean, they, Buffalo has some of the great linebackers in the league that can lock up Aaron Jones. I know, Peter, you love Milano. Matt Milano's a freak, yeah. You love that guy, yeah, almost as much as you love Mort. But nope. um, I just don't see it happening for him. So I'm 100% fading Aaron Jones. A.J. Dillon has been a ghost of a ghost, so I wouldn't be playing him either. Yeah, which is fun for me because I have both of them on one of my redraft teams, and I've been – well, actually, I take it back. I, had ET, I have ETN on that team, so – over the past two weeks, I've been able to slot him in over A.J. Dillon, but there for a while. I'll start both Packers running backs, and I will tell you, that was not fun, and I'm currently, especially with this advice you just gave us, I'm actively looking to trade Aaron Jones in that league. So any digital airstrike uh, members in the league that are listening, let me know. Aaron Jones is definitely available. On the block. 
Breaking news. Aaron Jones is on the block. Breaking news. Breaking news. I literally I saw this today in, in my uh, work league. I traded Aaron Jones and Jerry Judy. This is just redraft for CD Lamb and Gabe Davis. And I thought I got great return on investment. Um, CD Lamb's been very quiet and wide receiver 13 right now. So how many people are in the league? 12. Okay, that's fine. Full PPR. Um, full PPR, yep. Nice. That's good. Nice. The wide receivers yeah. reign supreme. No, Max, I, I'm all in on that, 100%. Jones, this season, while not looking terrible, has not looked great. Um, and usually, like Henry, we saw him at the start of the year not look great, but then kind of turned it on. Aaron Jones, he has not had that like stretch of games where it's like, okay, he's the guy. This team hasn't had that he's the guy or like this team is good moment this season, which really scares me for their possible fantasy outlook. Those wide receivers are toast. I, I don't see, I don't want to jinx it again, but I really don't see them scoring more than 20 points in Buffalo. I, I think 20 points is the cap. Like they have the best offensive night that they've had in a long time. So I, I really see them falling into that 14 to 16 point range. Aaron Rodgers. I can see him on the ground, on the frozen. It's in Buffalo, right? Yep. I can see him on that frozen turf, just getting hammered by Ed Oliver and just watching his shoulder just, like, collapse. That's how bad it's going to be. <laughs> it's going to be really bad. Yeah. I, I think the one hope for Aaron Jones is if you're in a full PPR league is Max brought up the 10 targets and the nine catches. That's kind of what the we all envisioned for him having success on this year was the passing game work but we haven't seen what he just did all season long. As Max said, it's a complete anomaly. So just, you know, that's the only thing you're holding out hope for is if he can catch somewhere in the realm of four to six catches per game. I think that's the, that's his saving grace this season because the schedule is disgusting. It is so ugly and tough, uh, especially for a team that God, they missed Devonte Adams so bad. So bad. All right. That's going to wrap up our show. Week seven recap. We're coming on week eight, boys. I don't yeah, like saying are. that because <laughs> we pause. I don't like saying that because that means we're almost halfway. We have 18 weeks in the season. After next week, we're basically going to be halfway done with the year, which is going to be just insane how time, fast time flies, especially in the NFL. So, Again, enjoy the slate of games coming up this week. Wanted to thank everyone for making it to the end. Subscribe to us on Twitter, Nick C, super producer Nick C, and Jace have been pumping out content over there. We are going to be doing a giveaway very soon, usually around the NFL playoffs time. That first, first or second week, we usually do a jersey giveaway, so stay tuned over there for that. We're going to be doing fantasy playoffs as well, uh, fantasy football actual real life football playoffs with the playoff teams so we'll be doing that over there as well in only a couple short weeks stay tuned on twitter at dynasty monarchy on twitter follow us over there subscribe to the pod give us a rating like subscribe do whatever you got to do tell your grandma about the show whatever you got to do to spread the good news gentlemen anything before we sign off go pick a team either the astros or the phillies put 10 bucks on them to win the world series and watch some baseball. It's almost over. We're at the peak 
time to watch baseball. I've been an advocate on this podcast for probably the past seven weeks straight telling people to watch baseball. But Nixie, I feel like you can attest someone who doesn't normally watch a bunch of baseball. Postseason baseball is so much fun. So much fun. I highly recommend just throw 10 bucks down and uh, have some money on the line and enjoy the World Series. And Nixie, I don't know if you want to speak to the postseason you've had. Yeah, man, I can get behind it. It's it definitely is a different beast. Um, I think for the pleb fans, I guess you could call me a pleb of MLB. <laughs> the the regular season's kind of intimidating. There's so many games to be played, but I like it when it gets down to the nitty gritty. There's few games to be played, high stakes. It makes it good, man. I mean, it, you yeah. know, I've been watching handful of games that I probably would never be watching and <laughs> I've been enjoying almost every game. So, yeah, you know, I'm totally with that. Just, just every to piss off, matters. just to piss off Max before you sign off, Nick for the city of Philadelphia. Can I get a go Phils? Let's go Phils. There it is. <laughs> You'll see us next week for our first November episode of the year. We're going to be releasing Wednesday, November 2nd. And that's, you know, all the leaves are down, and we're going to start talking about them Thanksgiving matchups coming up. It's real. The season is well on its way. So I want to thank everyone for making it to the end. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you again for making it to the end. That's it from us. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. Fancy some fantasy advice? Tweet or DM at Dynasty Monarchy on Twitter. Until next time, farewell, my fellow kings and queens.